Hello, my badass fire starters. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. My name is Caitlin Matanley, and this show is all about achieving the sacred pleasure of your highest potential through spirituality, self-empowerment, entrepreneurship, and magic. It's time to unabashedly blaze your own path by turning up the volume on your total authenticity. I'm an outlaw life and success coach for rebel boss witches and modern mystics, and I'm so excited to have you join me. Thank you for listening. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. This is Caitlin Matanley. I have a couple announcements before we get into the episode today. Yes, today, as promised, I'm going to be talking about the ways that the personal development industry, yes, industry, it's an industry, that the industry upholds and benefits from white supremacy. But a few announcements first. So today is the season finale of season two, which kind of like season one has been like a many, many months long season. (laughs) I will be back with the podcast in September. So be sure, well, a few things. First of all, there are like almost two years of episodes to listen to. So go back, listen to some of the back episodes. If you haven't scroll around, find some that interest you. Send me a message on Instagram. If you have questions, I love talking to you about these episodes and about all kinds of things. Really. Um, you can find my handle linked in the show notes. It's at Caitlin Matanley. Sign up for my email list through my website. Like make sure you're following me in all the places because I want to keep these conversations going even when the podcast is on, what's it called in television? Like a season hiatus. I don't even fucking know. (laughs) But also because I have some things coming through this summer that you probably are going to want special dibs on, first dibs on um, like a Boswell University mastermind. Yes, it's happening. I'm not going to say much more. It's happening later this summer. Make sure you're with me on Instagram. Make sure you're with me in my email community. And that's how you're going to get the information on that and everything else first. Because the things I have coming up are going to be really limited in spots. Like I said, I don't want to give away too many details. (laughs) But you want to be on the list to find out first. So be sure to do that. Links to everything, as always, are in the show notes. And today, I want to talk about a topic that I'm passionate about. And it's not a new topic, not a new topic that I've talked about. I've talked about it before. I've mentioned it on other episodes of this podcast. All of my clients know we go here for sure in our work, but it's the topic of how the industry, the personal development industry, which is closely linked to what I'll call like the new age spirituality industry, um, you know, closely linked, And in fact, one of the examples I'm going to give really speaks to that connection. But this isn't new. The reality is this industry does uphold white supremacy. It profits off of it. And I think it's really important to really clearly explain how from somebody who is in that industry. Now, a few disclaimers. I am not a racial justice educator or anti-racism educator. In fact, I follow the lead of my mentors of color and say that um, 
actually a white person really can't be an effective racial justice educator. And in fact, it shouldn't be one at all because by nature of the work, assuming you're paying, you know, charging for your work or taking up even, you know, non-monetary space with your work, um, the space of an expert, et cetera, et cetera. If you're doing that and you're not a person of color, you are really profiting off of their pain. And that's fucked up. Like, um, should I mention the book White Fragility that everybody's talking about? And honestly, I haven't read. Um, but it kind of rubbed me the wrong way for a long time because, you know, the book is written by a white woman. <laughs> and um, one of my mentors, Louisa Duran, came out and talked about this and was basically like, yeah, this is the definition of profiting off of black pain. And also you can't be the poison in the antidote. And I couldn't agree more. So I want to make sure it's really clear because this needs to be repeated again and again and again, that I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be an expert and I definitely don't position myself to be an expert. I am merely today sharing my observations from being in this industry for years as a customer and now as a customer and a content creator. Um, I think that, like I said last week, when I talked about um, when I talked about white privilege and as it relates to manifestation specifically, as I mentioned, these are things that though a lot of those in the coaching industry specifically, which is kind of like the biggest, well, at least it, it appears to be the biggest. I don't really know if it is, but the biggest possibly industry coming out of this, you know, greater industry. So like sub industry coming out of the greater industry, you get my point. Um, this, these are things that a lot of people don't want to talk about because when these questions get raised, just like the questions of last week's episode, and feel free to go back and listen to that if you haven't, when these questions get raised, what happens is that the teachings being espoused no longer fit into like a tidy little box. And that's a problem for a lot of, of teachers, so-called teachers, you know, and coaches and whatnot. And to me, that, that um, refusal or, or that, that fear of things that are outside of the like little box that has been determined as like, this is how it works. To me, that fear is so antithetical to the work of liberation that we're all supposedly a part of. You know, whether you view it as individual liberation, I personally think that there is no individual liberation without collective liberation and liberal against talk. <laughs> and because of that, I, I, I just do not see how this work, the work in the world of personal development can be separated, can be divorced from the work of social justice. I do not see how it's possible. And that's why I I'm going to take a really strong stance here, which is that anyone who is not addressing this in their work, maybe not the specific points I'm mentioning today, because obviously these are what I see as the biggest problem. Somebody else may see something else as the biggest problem. But if someone, a coach, for example, and I'm not shooting down anyone in particular here at all, but if somebody in the personal development industry, the work of liberation is refusing to address these issues, I personally think they're a fraud. Yeah. I, I went there. I went there. I really do. And I don't say that even from a place of hatred. It's just like a lot of us, and at times even myself, you know, I catch myself not walking my talk in a certain area, you know? And whether it's something big like ethics or ideals or whether it's something small like, okay, let's be real. Any coaches listening, 
or really anyone listening in general, you know, it's like often a lot easier to teach something than to do it yourself. (laughs) And you may be teaching things that you know work based on your personal experience and your experience with clients. And all the time I catch myself not following my own advice, you know? (laughs) And so it's it's a work in progress. You know, if you are acting in a fraudulent way with the things that you teach or the things that you allegedly stand for, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be more, um, I don't know, like more authentic, (laughs) more real. And it's a process. So I'm not calling anyone out just to call them out. I'm calling them in to say like, let's step up, let's collectively do better. So while I've actually been delighted over the past month to see a lot of people I follow in this space be more vocal about how they feel about these issues, a lot of them have stayed silent. And honestly, I've unfollowed all those people. Again, just because for me personally, it does not fit with my ethics. You know, I don't believe you can teach about personal freedom and liberation without actively seeking the liberation of all. I just don't. And somebody else may disagree with me, may not be a deal breaker for them, and that's fine too. But, you know, I think it's time for us to stop being afraid of taking these hard stances because often we're afraid of taking these hard stances because we don't want to come off too strong. And so we actually just don't really say much of anything at all. Um, You know, we end up being like too, too nice or too, you know, tolerant of things that are inappropriate. And in fact, not to get on a big tangent, but I've seen a couple people like big, influence what I'll call big influencers in the personal development space um, speak out I'll put that in air quotes about like call out culture and how bad it is and these same people to their credit also have been like very vocal in favor of Black Lives Matter and everything it's not you know that needs to be said and I do believe are like doing the work and I also think that this whole idea we have that like call out culture is inherently bad is a problem, you know? It's the same thing that makes us not want to speak up when something is happening. And the reality is, you know, if somebody in your circle, okay, like I'm a white person. If another, I'm a white woman, just in case you didn't know. I, if, I, if I see or hear another white woman saying something problematic, me, me pointing it out in a direct way that, yeah, like on the internet could be construed as some kind of way. Like, I don't, you can never tell what people are really, <laughs> what their emotions are behind their words. That's not calling someone out. That is encouraging others to be accountable. And I've seen a lot of these people acting like if you're calling people out you're not doing the work yourself like everyone who's calling other people out isn't doing the work they're more focused on calling other people out and I'm here to say like no that can be part of the work (laughs) you know and that goes to me I want to be called in and educated on things I'm saying that are problematic so just like heads up I'm beyond open to it not that you needed my permission to you know let me know so anyway Let's get into the episode before I go off on too many other tangents because Gemini Ascendant problems, I talk. (laughs) Okay, so the first way I want to talk about how the personal development industry upholds white supremacy is through something really simple, lack of representation. So 
honestly, all of the big name coaches like who are kind of at like influencer status um, are white pretty much. There are obviously exceptions, but my point is that even if it's somebody I don't, because I don't actually follow a lot of those people, it, which is funny because like a few of those people have been the people who have been like called in in a big way um, based on their response to the you know revolution movement for Black Lives that is underway. <laughs> so, what I find is that you know. At that level, at a certain level, that influencer status level, there is inherent white supremacy. It is proven, it is known that big companies overwhelmingly work with white people, white, pretty, thin people. And so most people who are at the, at the level who, where they are, you know, really working with like major brand partnerships are going to fit into those categories. And obviously this isn't just an issue with black representation or you know representation of other people of color. It's obviously a body type representation. It's obviously, you know, uh, appearance representation. <laughs> There's lots of levels to it, but I want to focus today on white supremacy. So I find that, it's like a cycle, you know? So the people who are working at this high of a level naturally are going to kind of fit into that box for the most part. There are certainly exceptions, um, but they're the exception. That's the point. They're the exception. They're not the rule. They're like, oh, you're like delighted to see somebody who fits out a different mold and it shouldn't be that way. Now, even for people who aren't like doing brand partnerships, because maybe you didn't even know that some coaches and people in personal development do brand partnerships. Some are influencers as well. But even for those who aren't, the fact remains that overwhelmingly the voices that get more press, that get the bigger opportunities, that are just seen as more palatable by the, by the public fit into that same capitalist mold of thin, white, pretty. And in fact, if you follow a lot of people in this space, well, now I feel like if you do this, it's going to be cheating because some of you may have like added a bunch of new people you discovered, you know, influencers, coaches, teachers, personal development teachers of color over the past month. But I guarantee if you scroll through the people you follow, you will be shocked at how many of these like self-help gurus or whatever are white. And in fact, I've always made it a priority to have really varied representation in my world. Um, and yet, even I did this maybe a month ago. And I was like, wow, the, the fact remains that like, there are definitely still more white people than, than people of color in terms of the people I follow in the personal development space, for sure. Now, here's the problem with black representation besides the fact that it's just wrong. It also gives people this idea that like only white people are coaches, which is also really fucking wrong because, you know, I mean, I shared a few different examples in the show notes from last episode of specifically manifestation coaches who are black women who I follow and love and recommend. But it gives this perception that like it is only for white people. And that obviously like go, there's so much that goes into that, that, 
despite the fact that I was a sociology major in college, I'm not like going to get into that here. Um, but I will say that in conversation with other people, with, you know, I, in conversation about like why this is beyond the just like capitalist representation and white supremacy. Yeah, I'm aware that there are, that I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this, to be honest, because <laughs> I don't know what like the correct terms are. But basically, I've had a few conversations with specifically black woman friends who have said that like personal development isn't as accepted in the black community. I don't, I can't personally vouch for whether or not that's true. I can't, but if it is, and again, I'm a white person, I'm definitely not going to speak to the lived experiences of black Americans specifically, because most of the people I follow in this space are in the U S I would say. Um, although again, not all, that's another area I've been really like more aware of. It's like, oh, this is actually an international industry. How can I have more international voices? Anyway, um, my point here is that it's a problem because it makes it seem like it's only for white people, which also like makes a lot of people feel if they're not white, like maybe this work isn't for them when they know it would benefit them. And that's the problem. Like even something, it's like even when you're selling something good and beneficial, if some people think it's not for them, then they don't get access to it. And that happens because of very real societal expectations and pressures of different groups. And more importantly, when there isn't representation, it's, you know, the people, okay, so like other white coaches I am friends with, for example, who like did this exercise and were like horrified or even a couple, like I know that one really big name coach was called out um, and apparently at the time she didn't follow a single creator of color in her entire feed. Like, I don't know if that's true, but that was apparently what was being said. And that was like a whole separate thing, like a whole, a big area that she fucked up and I'm not even going to comment on it because it's not somebody I follow, but like I heard about the situation. Um, and also there's not even just one situation like this. So let's just be real. It's a pervasive problem. So, where was I? In only giving voices to people who fit into this like classic capitalist sellable, I'm putting that in air quotes, by the establishment mold, we're merely enacting, reenacting the values of the capitalist patriarchy. And what we're not doing is recognizing that this work is varied and diverse and and the result of tons of different human lived experiences. Now, one area that I see this happening, this lack of representation being extra pervasive is, I don't know about you, if you've ever signed up for one of those like online summits. It, okay, so if, you're, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a thing that's pretty common in the personal development industry where it's like one person does this, live event they like produce the live event and they invite a bunch of people to speak or like to be interviewed or whatever and it's like a big fucking thing and it's like a list building thing for everybody basically oh my god until like last week because now it's like so fucking obvious the the people like literally the people who i in my head was complaining about how every single person is white 
um, in these like 20 person events, <laughs> like literally some of the same people who I was annoyed and rolling my eyes about that a month and a half ago now are like adding tons of black women to their events. Okay. Yes. Obviously it's good. That's, you know, that's happening. And I'm kind of like, like you just realized this was a problem or podcasts where like, where all of the people interviewed are white, especially podcasts, ton of podcasts in the personal development space, wellness, um, you know, new age spirituality. I always put that in air quotes because it's just like used as a catch all for a lot of actual traditions <laughs> expressed in their modern form. So, um, we'll say contemporary spirituality maybe instead same thing where it's like, Oh, Oh, now like, Oh, you, now you have like a bunch of guests who are, you know, individuals of color, but like, yes, it's good. You're doing it. And really like this, you just realized that this was, you just noticed. <laughs> so anyway, that's my piece on the lack of representation in the personal development industry. There are tons of people teaching this type of work who are not thin, blonde, and pretty. I mean, I'm not gonna, I think everyone's beautiful. I'm not going to really speak to that one. Conventionally beautiful, maybe we'll say. And honestly, I'm thin and blonde. I mean, maybe you think I'm pretty. <laughs> you better. <laughs> I honestly would rather, I mean, obviously you, you want to follow the people's work that resonates with you, but I'll, I would not be offended ever if somebody worked with somebody else instead of me you know I I do I think it's important I was I saw some somebody posted something about this but I mean they're not the only person to write about this so um it's definitely something I've thought of many times how it's like now suddenly everybody wants to hire black coaches but it's like hire people or like have people come on your podcast I think that's what the meme had said or the post that said sorry I can't remember who posted it if you know as always send me a message on Instagram and I'll put it in the show notes um but you know people like will invite someone on a guest onto their podcast who happens to be a person of color and want to talk about anti-racism and I'm not saying you shouldn't talk about it if it comes up but like also let's be seeking you know let's be seeking a wide representation of voices on everything, you know, like you don't just have to hire a anti-racism or racial justice coach of color, although you should definitely do that. But also like, what about your mindset coach or like your personal trainer or whatever, you know? I mean, my point is it's really important, I believe, to like be thinking about this just naturally, not as like, okay, every Monday from now on, I'm going to be posting you know, I'm going to be sharing content from a, you know, a black creator. Okay. Yeah. Like it's good that you're sharing the content, but like, why not make that just part of what you fucking do naturally, you know, just some stuff to think about. Okay. Number two, the personal development industry. And this is something that a lot of people don't want to admit, but I'm going to give you the dirt right here as, a, as an industry insider. A lot of people in this industry, they deliberately place a limited focus on the different lived experiences of others. 
And this is a problem in general, not just when it comes to race. Um, But today we're talking about white supremacy specifically, so let's keep it specific. So there, and I talked about this a lot during the last episode, but there is this idea that like, if you just try hard enough or hustle hard enough or think hard enough or believe hard enough or meditate hard enough or whatever, like put the thing that you have to do hard enough in the blank, fuck hard enough. I don't even know. (laughs) You can do whatever you want. Like you can be whatever you want. You can be all you can be or like whatever. And yes, that's like a yes. And to me, yeah, in theory, fully true in practice The reality is there are numerous centuries-old oppressive systems that give a big group of people, a.k.a. white people, a giant running start. And so this is where we have the difference between, you know, like, yeah, technical reality, like how it technically works and how it actually plays out. In fact, when you look at race, the idea of race in general, race is a social construct. I mean, it was proven, I think it was in 2003, that people from within a geographic region have more DNA um, different from each other than people of different so-called races. So, for example, somebody from Ethiopia, somebody from Angola have more DNA different from each other than somebody from Angola does with somebody, somebody like me, whose my, my heritage is overwhelmingly Northwestern European. Okay. So race is a social construct. It does not exist according to real science. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people might be like, oh yeah, like I don't see color, like race isn't real, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so the whole I don't see color thing, hopefully we know by now, is just completely erases the experience of people of color, the very different lived experiences, which is what I'm talking about now. But also, like, yeah, race isn't real, and socially it is. So that's what we have to look at in the context of the same thing that I'm talking about in the personal development industry, you know? So, so yeah, technically... We're all, you know, God's children, if you view it that way, or um, from the same stardust, if you view it that way, or wh- whatever, like, <laughs> whatever. And the reality is the way, the deliberate way that society has been structured oppresses individuals, all individuals who aren't white. And I mean, I'm a woman, you know, I'm, I'm like second down on the totem pole as a white woman, but like, I'm still near the top. (laughs) So by ignoring or just not focusing or not commenting on these different lived experiences, you know, it can go both ways because yeah, I, I do believe that it can be empowering to, to realize that, yeah, of course you can overcome your personal challenges. I actually don't feel comfortable, um, referring to racism as a personal challenge at all because it's a lived experience that's based on the deliberate oppression of individuals by governments religions etc um so just had to put that out there (laughs) but you know what happens you actually really if you're a coach and you're listening you really do a disservice to your clients 
when you have this perception that like everyone's starting from the same place. And I talked about that a bit last week because in Juliet Cordobo's webinar that I linked in the show notes for last week's episode, um, she was talking about how, you know, with a lot, with her clients who are black women, like she is often, you know, there are other hurdles to get through before you can get to like, she doesn't say this, this is like my snarky terms. Um, Juliet's like the opposite of snarky. <laughs> um, but like, before you can get to like the white lady problems, I'm going to call again, my words, not hers <laughs> of like, I don't feel worthy, which is a real problem. Like, and it's pretty universal. A lot of us experience, um, you know, those feelings of, of unworthiness, not just women. <laughs> again, that was just like my snarky version of the comment. Um, but like before, you know, ha even being having the privilege to get to that point, have to deal with systematic oppression, with reduced access to certain resources, like these very real systematic issues. And so it, it what she said is that sometimes a different approach needs to be used or, you know, by just ignoring those things, like spiritual bypassing doesn't work because when we ignore things, we push them aside, they just limit the results we get. And then we feel like it's us. We feel like it's something we're doing wrong, you know? And so whether it's in terms of spiritual bypassing or just refusing to address the very real problems and challenges that are faced because of these oppressive institutions, you know, by refusing to, to acknowledge that and really like figure it out and process it, then it's, really difficult to allow your clients to get results and then it just starts the cycle over and over again of you know oh I feel like it's something I'm doing wrong like I'm not good enough for this I mean this is really like the basis of trauma-informed coaching in general um but it's super applicable to this, you know, but the reality is without really acknowledging the different lived experiences with, of, of others, which in the case of, you know, when it comes to racism, like that's such a pervasive lived experience that, you know, if that's even on the table of your life experience, which it is, if you're not white, then that's going to affect how you move through the world. And that has to be addressed and acknowledged and given space for. Okay, number three. This is in general. Much of the coaching, personal development industry, um, a lot of people really focus on telling people what to do, telling clients what to do, giving a formula. I mean, it makes sense. You know, a formula, the idea of a formula sells. And I talked about this with a friend recently who was like, oh, I, I like wish that you know, I was in a program where there was like more of a formula. They were like in a program of some kind. And I said, and they were comparing it to some, someone, something somebody else was in. And I said, honestly, I personally, I say this as a coach and as a client, um, I would not ever trust a coach who tells you they have the formula because it's impossible. It's impossible. You cannot guarantee results. You cannot, it's just not possible. And so if anyone says that, like my personal red flag antennas go way up. So how does this relate to white supremacy? When 
it, it's kind of, it goes back to, to limiting focus on the different lived experiences of others. When we you know, give a formula, we assume that everyone has the same resources. And I'm not talking about like the same apparent resources. I'm talking about like the deep resources of things that we have or don't have since we're born based on our skin color. And we're doing a disservice by giving a formula because it's not universal. Nothing is. Now, when it comes to telling people what to do, and that's related to the whole like giving a formula thing, I mean, this is a point of contention. Um, and everybody, and a lot of people are on different levels with this. Some people say like, as the leader, you have to come in and be like, this is what you should do. I personally, according to my professional ethics and the ethics I hold my own coaches and mentors to, I don't think that's the right thing to do at all. Because in, in telling people what to do, you're taking away their personal agency. And if you are a white teacher or a coach and you are telling an individual of color what to do, that is so inherently problematic. I mean, that, that you are an essentially reenacting centuries without realizing it possibly, but you are reenacting centuries of paternalism at best that has been, you know, that, that has been expressed by whites towards people of color, particularly black individuals. And when, you know, you have to be careful, both if you're a coach or a teacher or a client, what the power dynamics are. You know, I personally, I give my advice based on my experience and my experience with clients to a client. But beyond that, I encourage them to develop their own intuition and their own sense of what's right for the soul of their business. That's what I do. So to me, like that's just my ethics. And so any teacher or coach I hire, I want to have the same ethics for sure. So if that's your approach, I want you to recognize how you know, you're upholding white supremacy because you are upholding, like I said, centuries of paternalism, um, of, of literally white people making decisions for black people because they, you know, had power over them according to law. And I really encourage you to question that and to change that. Okay. The last point I want to make today about how the personal development industry upholds white supremacy is particularly linked to the contemporary spirituality industry. And by that, like we'll call it maybe like the new age industry or as I said earlier, this encompasses so many different traditions, many of which are very legitimate. So I don't want to like, I'm not super satisfied with either of those terms, but that's what we're going to go with because I don't know a better one. If you have a suggestion, please let me know. Okay, this is blatant appropriation. And because the personal development industry is in many, um, in many of its legs very linked to contemporary spirituality, like a lot of coaches – you know, talk about mindset, but they also like link that to spirituality and maybe meditation or, you know, whatever spiritual practices. 
what I see so much of is just like a throwing around of traditions that honestly aren't, that don't belong to white people to throw around. Um, obviously, cultural appropriation is a its own topic. And in fact, we talk about it back on the episode with Megan Alexandria of Revolutionary Mystic, um, which you can just like scroll back. I think it's near the end of season two, of season one, but don't hold me to that. Um, we do talk about this. So if you want to dive into that more, check out that episode. We talk about decolonize, decolonizing contemporary spirituality there. So what I see happening though a lot, especially in spaces that aren't specifically spiritual spaces. So like I'll hear, you know, a mindset coach or a business coach like myself just be like, oh, just like, you know, smudge the, smudge your space. Um, to like clear the energy, like smudging is a very specific Native American practice. White sage, which is often used for smudging, is high. Is last time I checked, endangered. Like there, it's a problem when you can buy, you can order wild sage sticks on Amazon, which is not benefiting the communities that actually develop this practice. Smudging is a specific religious practice I I'm not sure if the right term to use is religious or spiritual but my point is it's it's not just like waving sage around so it's not something I can I get to do I can burn sage I mean I do really suggest you just use a different type of sage that's not endangered or any of the plants of your own heritage I use rosemary to smoke cleanse um which is commonly used in northwestern Europe but and also I just I like it smells kind of like sage but like kind of better no offense um <laughs> just my preference but you know there's this blatant appropriation of different practices without giving credit to like what they actually are or misusing terms and I think you know some people some white people might say I'm being nitpicky but the reality is that um, I think it's really fucking important to attribute things to where they came from and to not just blatantly take things because as white people, it's what we're taught to do. Um, now, okay, when it comes to specifically white supremacy as it affects the black community, um, so many aspects of black culture have been appropriated. And I've been a part of it too, honestly. You know, it's, it's tricky because I'm, I'm just going to be really open and honest about this. Um, it's tricky because white people, like everyone else, um, we receive messages from the media. So like, okay, I love hip hop music. So naturally I might pick up certain words and things without necessarily thinking like, where does it come from? And is this mine to use? You know, um, slang words, things like that. Um, certain fashion things fashion things is that a thing that fashion people say fashion looks I I clearly don't fucking know what I'm talking about but <laughs> let's go back to the actual point um you know I get that it's sometimes easy it's easy to miss that what you're doing is appropriative but what I invite you to do is just really look at like where does this come from you know um, so a lot of commonly used phrases and 
again, I'm not going to provide an exhaustive list because I'm not an educator in this area. They're just do your Googling. There's plenty of stuff online written about this. Um, if I sound tired about when I say that, it's because I've gotten a lot of messages, like well-meaning messages from friends and people looking for my advice because I've like, I've been doing this work for some time, but I'm like, I am not the person to be asking for advice, but I think people ask because it feels safer to ask another white person. And that's a big problem. Again, I'm saying it with love. Like I'm not mad at anybody. It's just, I understand like why that's the, why it feels safer, but like we really, really, really need to be looking to black educators on these topics. And honestly, I should have said at the beginning, all of the points I'm making um, are things I felt intuitively that felt intuitively off to me and that I developed a language for by working with mentors, mentors of color. So I should say that um, because it's so important just to like listen to the experiences of the people who are being affected by whatever the thing is. And that's so important with the appropriation thing. So I see, I see white people getting defensive when somebody says like, Hey, this is from my culture. Like you're not using it correctly. You're not, you're not honoring it. This isn't for you. White people get defensive because we're used to everything being for us. And that's, you know, we've been raised to think that from the day we're born and we can choose differently today. But getting defensive and pissed about it and thinking people are overreacting is just not helping. You know, listen, just listen. And also, like, is it really that hard just to stop doing something that has been you've been told causes harm to others? I just I don't know. I just I just don't get it personally. OK, I'm going to leave it there. Those were the four four of the many ways that, in my view, the personal development industry upholds white supremacy so what can you do about it? Um, like I said, really asking and educating yourself on like where things come from and asking yourself, are the things that I'm teaching or that I believe or that I'm being taught, do these actually apply to everybody? And not in a disempowering way, like, oh, this doesn't apply to you because like the system is against you. Like that doesn't feel empowering to me. Again, what do I fucking know? I'm a white woman, you know? My point, though, is just really being honest with yourself about how these things apply to people of different lived experiences. And the best way to do that is by talking to people, by asking questions if you're in a course, asking these questions, um, even if it feels uncomfortable, and especially if it does, because, you know, if, if the teacher or the coach refuses to address it or gets defensive, that's a big red flag. And conversely, sometimes people who you think like you have a certain impression of based on the way they look or like how they present themselves actually end up being like having really strong beliefs about these things that, you know, you may have misunderstood based on like maybe reading just a couple of their Instagram posts or, you know, not really engaging in their content at a deep level. I am really encouraging everybody to be more outspoken about these things. Um, I am not in the business of, you know, telling people to do something I'm not doing myself. I am and not even the business. <laughs> Since we're talking about business, I shouldn't just like throw being in the business. That's just an expression, but <laughs> I'm obviously literally not in the business of this, but, um, 
but I also don't think there's anything wrong with, with calling people in because the unfortunate fact is white people tend to listen to white people. And that's really sad. And again, it goes back to like, it feels safer. It feels more like real, but like, why don't we just listen to the lived experiences of others? Believe them. Believe people when they tell you what it's like to be them instead of telling them what it's really like to be them in your view. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, I know it's a provocative topic. Please, please, please send your messages, your comments. What did I miss? What did I miss? What did I leave out? Um, what have you noticed? Uh, what could I do better? Please let me know. I'm honored when you do. I'm honored that you took the time because it's not your responsibility to do so. Um, as always, we can continue the conversation on Instagram. The link is in the show notes to my Instagram page. Send me a message there. I respond to all my DMs. And I will see you all here on the podcast. I will hear you all. I will be speaking to you all <laughs> here on the podcast in September. Um, be sure to be hanging out with me on Instagram and on my email list to see everything I'm doing between now and then. I love you all so much. Thank you for listening. Have an amazing day. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave me a five-star review on the Apple Podcasts app. To keep the episodes coming, click on the link in the show notes to support the show for as little as $1 a month. I am so grateful to have you as part of this movement. I'll see you soon.